Hey there, Michael Griffiths here, founder of Referral Marketing Guru, and welcome to this week's Get More Referrals Today podcast. Whether you're listening to us through iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, on Podbean, or across any of our socials, we're in for a trick today. You don't have to listen to just me. Uh, I've got a great guest that I'm about to bring on right now, uh, been a good friend for a long time. Uh, quite often, I get confused and quite when people say to me, oh, you're that person that writes all those books. I go, no, you've got the wrong Griffiths. Um, but at the same time, I'm happy to be mixed up and even put in this person's company. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on to the screen right now, uh, Andrew Griffiths. Welcome to uh, Get More Referrals Today podcast. G'day, Michael. Yeah, we, we've got that family resemblance. I, I, I can see why people uh, get us confused. So, hello, brother. How are you doing? The, yeah, the nepotism doing, show. <laughs> yeah, doing good. Um, and it was only a couple of weeks ago was the latest one where I got an email which was clearly meant to be for you and not me. And they rattled off all these books that I had apparently written. I just had to humbly go, yeah, you got the wrong Griffiths. Um, and I couldn't say anything else. So um, it's it's great. So for those that haven't had the pleasure of uh, meeting Andrew Griffiths before, Andrew Griffiths, international best-selling author, global speaker, uh, all-round great Australian guy and... Uh, let's just fill people in, give people a bit of background, because there'll be a bunch of people uh, around the globe who tune in to us who probably have never come across you before. So let's fill them mm. in to start with. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I guess, as you've rightly pointed out, mate, my, my claim to fame is my writing. Uh, in 20, 22 years ago, I wrote my first book, which was very, very simple, 101 Ways to Market Your Business. And, uh, and and I was very fortunate to find a, a great publisher in Australia called Alan and Unwin. And that's what kind of started my writing journey. And, and, you know, I fell into that by accident more than anything else. But I've gone on to write 14 books now um, for Alan Unwin and for Simon & Schuster and also through self-publishing. Uh, so all around business, small business, how to do business better, thinking about that stuff and some personal development and growth stuff in there as well. And I'm a, a speaker, of course. The two, you know, go pretty much hand in hand. And uh, and I've presented, you know, all, all around the world, everywhere from Iran to Mexico it is my um, is my kind of uh, line there. I work for big companies like the European Union, Hewlett Packard, CBS, those kind of guys globally, right through to a lot of small businesses. And I, you know, help people to write books, help people to become a speaker these days. So um, I do a lot of stuff. And and I guess the little tagline that I really promote now, Michael, is that you know I uh, I help people a substance to build business as a substance, and that's what I really kind of enjoy doing. So that's my nutshell. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, and it was coincidence, but not the reason for having you on here. But you've also got a new book that is pretty much just being released. Uh, someone's got to be the most expensive. It might as well be you. The exactly. title within itself just means, yeah, love it. I've given away, I've given away the message, right? There's no surprises in what the book is now. <laughs> no, but in saying that, uh, what a what a message because so many people 
uh, sit there and go, oh, I'm too expensive or will they pay me enough or what happens if no one wants to use me or what happens if I, I better discount, I better, like we live in this world where we see retail go sale, 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 discount, discount, discount. And then as professionals and service providers and consultants and authors and speakers and business coaches, and we think that that's what we should be doing too, where in mm. fact you're about to tell us it's the complete opposite. So mm. uh, do you want to just sort of, how did you come up with, hey, this was the message that was needed right now? It's actually really interesting because in many ways, Michael, this is a message that I've um, I've been really attuned to for many, many years. I mean, I bought my first business when I was 17. I bought a dive shop um, a million miles from the ocean. I always joke, you know, it was 30 kilometers from the ocean. So that gives you a pretty good idea what my business acumen was like way, way back when. Um, but even even then, you know, I, I bought the business, but I, I my pricing structure was just based on the guy that I bought it from. And he had a full-blown poverty mentality. I had a pretty good poverty mentality, you know, going. So, you know, I, I was very familiar with that at an early age. I didn't really understand it, of, of course, you know, but as time has gone on and, and with the work that I do now around the world, I encountered so many business owners, particularly in the last 10 years, who are, you know what, really, really good at what they do, really good at what they do. They, they're charging peanuts for it and they're working themselves to death. And even if they were fully booked, they would barely scrape by because of where they price themselves. So I really noticed that that has become a bigger issue because exactly as you said, this perception that's super competitive, you know, it's price driven, rah, rah. At the same vein though, at the same time, what I really noticed was that the rise of these businesses that were being the most expensive, charging more than anyone else, delivering fantastically and having this great space where they were doing amazing things in a non-competitive environment, you know, all of that kind of stuff and kind of going, wow, you know, they're, they're going against the flow of what people are saying is the reality. And I started to study these businesses, everyone from glasses manufacturers to dairies to restaurants, you know, to coaches, consultants, all kinds of things and realize that, that, that there's a great opportunity right here, right now to literally be the most expensive in your space, or at least to start to charge what you're worth. Because we live in a world that has redefined value and what value actually means. Uh, and, and and to be brutally honest, kind of breaks my heart seeing these business owners killing themselves, even when they're great at what they do, yet they've got learned helplessness. You know, the elephant with the, the rope around their leg is a calf. You know, they, they, they're, they're so tired and fried and just caught in this perpetual cycle of, oh, my customers won't pay anymore. You know, that's all the market will afford. That's all people will pay for an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor, dentist, candlestick maker. And there's a lot of limiting beliefs that hold people in place. And for every limiting belief, you know, I, I, I see uh, so many stories that say, well, that's all about what happens up here, not the reality of the situation out there. Yeah. So do you think that's, that's where it really stems from is the lack of belief, the lack of self-confidence, the lack of, hey, what I do really changes people's lives and therefore I should be charging more? Do you reckon that's where it stems from or just not even understanding their business or business model well enough? 
I think it's probably a bit of both, to be honest. I, I think there's a lack of strategy and people go, well, what do I do? I'm going to get a whole pile of customers by being the cheapest. That's my strategy. The world's worst strategy, but but it's an easy strategy. To be honest, it's a lazy strategy. You know, I'm just going to get a client, because I'm going to promote that we're the cheapest and, you know, we'll build up and then we'll put up our prices rah, rah. Um, so so there's there's a, that is definitely you know part of the issue. I call it a lack of creativity, to be honest. The second part is definitely people's own self worth, self value. You know, all of those kind of things come into play. Um, particularly, I see it a lot in creative areas where people don't value themselves from a creative point of view. Um, or you know, really, it does come back to a lot of the time upbringing. You know, I, I mean, I, I grew up as an orphan. I was in and out of, you know, foster homes and a lot of abuse as a child. I always say I spent the first 18 years of my life being told that I was worthless and the rest of my life proving differently, you know. But but people for different reasons, lack of confidence, you know, imposter syndrome, lack of self-worth, whatever it might be, struggle with that actually charging what they're worth. And often they're very they're able to say what other people are worth and, and to see the value in others, but they don't necessarily see the value in themselves. Yeah. And that's that's a tough place to be and very, very, very common in business. Yeah. Would the would one of the I don't know if there's ever really a fast way, uh, but one of the, the, the quicker ways, if you if you really focused in on the the end result or the end outcome you got someone you would then see what you should be charging or what are your thoughts around uh i i tend to be going more these days too okay so what's the result you get someone and then that in essence can sort of dictate how much you're able to charge based on the outcome or the result the the pain you take away from someone Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, you know, the, the the longer we do something, and the more we do it, there's there's enough experience and enough evidence to show that we're obviously good at what we do. If you've managed to feed yourself in business for for a period of time, well, you know, there's theoretically there's people value what it is that you do enough to be able to pay you for it. So so you know, I, I think we've got to be looking at at what evidence is there in the past to say that we're appreciated and people value who we are and what we do. But I think it's it's actually a bit of a bigger picture. I, I think it's like a lot of things that, that you know, we, we've kind of built our business. We, we, it is where it's at. We've probably, if we're not charging what we're worth, we've probably got the wrong customers. We've probably got the wrong, you know, marketing. We've probably got the wrong positioning. We've probably got a lot of things that aren't kind of right. Um, because, you know, if you've got cheap clients, you, you, you keep attracting cheap clients because your cheap clients refer other cheap clients, you know? So there's, there's, there's quite a bit of stuff that we've got to draw a little bit of a line in the sand and say, well, okay, you know, I want to, I want to do this a little bit differently. So as an example, I had a marketing company, um, that I'd set up and my target was small business owners and it was set up in a relatively industrial area. Um, and I've got a lot of small business kind of clients, but they were all so budget driven. They had, you know, they really lacked money. They didn't really have money for um, for a marketing consultant. And to be honest, I was pretty much running a not for profit, and 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 all of the stress related of doing that. I mean, I was busy, but I had all of my costs, and it was like, wow, I'm not really making any money. 
Now, I knew that if I tripled my prices, I would lose all of those customers. And, and, and you know, that, that was a scary thing to do. But what I realized was that I was actually in the wrong part of town. My business was in the wrong geographical place. My Everything about what I was doing was very, you know, cheap focus, but I wasn't happy with that. So I literally changed my business name and I moved to an office in amongst all of the right kind of clients, the architects, the lawyers, the accountants, the engineers, triple my prices. And, and my business boomed after that because I was just actually in the right place with the right messaging, with the right branding, had a beautifully fitted out office, etc. Um, and that was a really big lesson for me. And I mean, obviously, that's a big move, right, to do that. But I also knew that if we're going to be doing that, we've got to offer the best service because the catch of this whole thing is someone's got to be the most expensive. You know, it may as well be you. But if you're going to be the most expensive, you've got to be the best. Yeah. And, and that means you've got to really understand what being the best is. And the best is service, the product, the reputation, the brand. There's a, there's a whole pathway to being the best. But as a minimum, maybe it's just we want to start to charge more for what we're worth. And sometimes that's about how we market ourselves, how we position ourselves, the stories that we we share, the you know our branding, our all of those those things. And it's interesting what changes from a pricing point of view when we reposition ourselves in a, in a way which showcases our value in a better way. And I've got a great story I can share about that if you'd like to hear a tofu story. Go for it. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so just, just before you do, uh, but we're speaking to Eddie Griffiths, who's just released his latest book, Someone's Got to Be the Most Expensive. It might as well be you. And... Uh, as Eddie's speaking there, I'm just going, we talk about being more remarkable to be more profitable to be more impactful. And everything yeah. you've just said is around if you're going to be the most expensive, be more remarkable. And then that allows you to be more profitable. That allows you to be more impactful. Love it. Tofu story. Away you go. Great line. A great line. Um, so I was in Japan. I was doing a study tour with a, a client of mine. Spent two weeks traveling around Japan doing some research side of things. And uh, and we met up um, through a contact of his, a gentleman who was a CEO of a restaurant chain uh, in Japan. They have 400 outlets and thousands of staff. And typically what this place is, is um, three different restaurants on three different levels of buildings. Um, that one's sushi, one's teppanyaki, one's something else. And they're all over Japan. And and um, we were we met this guy and he was talking, you know, we're asking about challenges, what some of the issues been. And he said it was about three years ago. And and what they were really starting to see in their business was that their, their customers were getting more and more impatient. They wanted everything faster. They wanted everything cheaper. And, and they felt this real pressure. So they were really looking for ways to speed things up and to get faster and faster. And, and they finally reached this point where they said, we can't do it faster. We can't do it cheaper and maintain quality that we've built our reputation on. We can't do that. We've got to decide now as a big company, is this the moment that we basically become a McDonald's? Do we become a fast food kind of place now? And there was enormous pressure on them because, you know, they were losing customers and, and the business was really facing an uncertain future. Their board of directors said, no, we're not going to do that. We 
We do. We make incredible food. We have our own farms. We grow all of our own everything organically. We have. We train us. We, we do stuff at a quality level. Enough. The line is in the sand again. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to start to educate our customers. We're going to tell them why they need to wait for the tofu and why we charge more for it. Now, just on passing, this restaurant turned over about three, this chain turns over about three hundred million dollars a year. And they, you know, that this was their number one dish that they did was this tofu dish. And so they started off telling the story about this tofu. And the way that they did it was just in store on their website. They trained their staff to share the story about how the tofu is made, uh, their farms, the, you know, videos of the farmers and the whole process and the quality. And, and the moral to the story was, you know, that our tofu is the best in Japan. This dish is the best in Japan, but it doesn't happen fast and it doesn't happen cheap. If you want fast and cheap tofu, go somewhere else. Okay, moral to the story. Now, they, they did that in a really nice way, but there was a really great educational campaign. First 12 months, they sold an extra $30 million worth of that tofu dish, 10% of their revenue, okay, which is pretty just that dish, okay? But what they also noticed was, their market share grew, their customer complaints dropped, their people, their, their customers became more loyal. Everything changed because they simply told them why their dish and why their company was so good. And this is one of the, the morals to this story about, you know, being the best is not just, you know, I make the best pens. You know, nowadays, we've also got to have the best story. We've got to let people in to say why I make the best pen. You know, where does it come from? These glasses that I've got are a brand called Chrome Hearts. They're impossible to buy. You can't buy them online. I came across them in America. You know, I could you know give give up my apartment in exchange for a pair of these glasses. The cost wise, it's ridiculous. And you go to their website; they're hard to find. But there's this incredible mystery around this brand called Chrome Hearts. They are they're fantastic glasses. You'll have people, other Chrome Hearts wearers, who will come up to you on a plane at an airport and go chrome hearts and as you're part of this little weird secret club right of, of doing stuff I, mine needed repairs i sent them away it took a year for them to come back right now it's, it's ridiculous everything about it tells you that how can it possibly exist how can you know nosebleed prices terrible service all the rest of it but a great story, an incredible product in reality. They're, they're amazing glasses for those of us who wear glasses, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And they have built a cult following around the world status simply because of the story behind the brand, Japanese designer, all this kind of stuff. So um, this concept of charging what you're worth being the most expensive is a fascinating one when it comes to what are the things that we can do to kind of fit into that. And, and so much of it now, Michael, and I know you're big on this, is really about our communication, our talking, the stories we tell about our products, the messaging, the, the behind the scenes, uh, the whole reason for it being what it is, or others sharing their story about us and what it is that we do, why testimonials are more important than ever. And as you, you know, you're, you're the, you know, you're the partnership guy, you know, nothing is stronger than, than me saying, hey, you need to work with Michael because he's the best at what he does. You know, that that, that endorsement is so powerful. Yeah, so true. So true. And, and I think it's really easy. And just within that story and a few things that you've said, 
in the in the last little bit. We get caught up with people going, I need more leads. I need my next funnel. I need to run a webinar. I need – it's actually got nothing to do with that. You can't be sitting here after everything that, that Andrew's just said in reference to being – if you want to be, someone's got to be the most expensive, it might as well be you and go, oh, I'm just going to up my prices. Exactly. It's got nothing to do with you just saying, sitting here and go, great, I'm going to go from $2,000 to $10,000, done, click my fingers, it's magically going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Mm. Like, what you've got to take away from this is, you know what, actually getting leads is the most simple as a basic thing if you have everything else right. And exactly. if you just heard there, from the story to the message to how you deliver to how you want to become more remarkable, all of that actually then makes getting leads so much easier. Yet, would you agree that most people out there go, oh, I just need more leads because then I'll get more clients? Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. If you've got the other stuff right, you know, all of what we talk about from your from your branding, your positioning, your storytelling, your all the rest of it, what you actually get when it comes to leads, to be honest, most of the time they've already decided that they want to work with you. It's kind of up to you to bugger it up. You know, it's not just a lead that maybe will work or won't work. I mean, something... Again, all my my life has been leading to this point where I'm at right now. I know when I wrote, when I started writing books, I noticed a reversal of the lead, you know, the, the lead flow. You know, for me, so much of my life before then was out chasing and trying to, you know, get leads, get leads, get leads. By building my brand and my credibility and my reputation, my lead flow is the opposite. I, my biggest issue is managing all of my leads. You know, because so many come in, not because I'm extraordinary at what I do. You know, I'd like to think I'm really good at what I do, but because I've got all of the right bits in the place. It's a great story. I have a great profile. I have great credibility. I've got, you know, good product architecture. I get all of my leads are word of mouth referral, you know, because that's just, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. I've got all of those bits that work. And your point is so relevant. People say to me, okay, so, you know, yeah, I'm going to triple my rates. And you go, well, what you're going to do when you triple your rates is you're going to lose all your clients, you know? So that's the first thing that's going to happen because you need to be upping your prices to charge what you're worth, but you've got to, it, it's a journey. It, it, it's a path. And, and, a, and a really interesting, another story that I briefly share there was uh, I read about a psychologist in America and she was fully booked. She didn't have any spare spots, but she had two very distinct types of customers. She had one, and they were always late. They were never rang if they weren't going to make an appointment. You couldn't turn up. They never paid their bills. Their credit cards were never working or, you know, rah, rah, rah. They were difficult. And to be honest, they didn't really value what it was that she did. She had a second type of client that was super respectful, always there early, always paid on time, rah, rah, rah. And she goes, oh, if only I had more clients like that. But her schedule was fully booked. There was no more capacity for her to increase revenue. And she was in that spot going, well, I'm kind of spinning the plates. I enjoy half my clients, really don't like the other half. What do I do? So she made a very bold move of doubling her rates. And she did exactly what we just said you shouldn't do, right? But she doubled her rates. But it was very interesting what happened because she lost half of her clients overnight 
And of course, she lost the ones that she needed to lose. She lost the bad ones, the non-payers, the lack of respect, and the ones that didn't turn up. So she her income was the same, but she was working 20 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week consulting or you know in treatment. But the nice thing was now her nice clients who were left, they were happy to pay the extra, but now they could also refer their friends that were like them. And so she filled her books within a month of really nice clients paying her what she was worth. She doubled her income and got a better client base because of doing that move. Yeah, now that, that, there's a lot to be said from that kind of thinking. M my view is, you know, I, I, the, a line I use in the book is you can't put lipstick on a wombat, right? So if your business is, to be honest, crap, if your service is no good, if you're really not that good at delivering on what it is that you do and you're kind of cheaping your prices, if you can't deliver and you double your prices, you, you know, that's not going to work. You've got to make sure that you you get your act together in your business. To be the most expensive is a commitment. You've really got to be committed to do that because it's freaking hard to be the most, to be the best. It, it indicates a hint of obsession, but you can start to charge more. But that again takes a commitment. You've got to say, well, we got to do what we do better if you're not delivering. But if you are, if you feel that you're delivering well and you're doing all of those things, but you're simply not charging enough, well, that then means that you've got the wrong clients. All right, because if you've got cheap clients, they will they will refer friends of theirs who are cheap. Okay, so cheap attracts cheap. You know, and don't even get me started on all the problems of having a price-driven cheap business in terms of longevity and surviving things like COVID and GFCs. The first businesses to go broke are the price-driven businesses. Yeah. You know, so you know, there's a couple of different scenarios. So I think the first thing we've got to do is say, well, actually, where are we now? And ideally, where do I want to be? Because there's a pathway and a process to get to whether you want to just charge more or whether you actually want to be the most expensive. And uh, and it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart, whichever one that is. But the rewards, extraordinary. You get a future-proof business where you get paid what you deserve. You attract a better quality of client. They find you. You know, the, 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 when you when you are delivering on quality and even the most expensive, you want people to say, hey, I work with Michael. It's bloody expensive, but he's the best. That's the line. That's who you want to attract. That's what people say to me all the time. Oh, you know, yep, I'm, I want to use you. I've heard you're expensive, but I've heard that you're the best. You know, that's my client. I don't want to, I've heard from you. People say you're the cheapest. And that's what I want. You know, I want the cheapest. I want the cheapest business advice that I can get. You know, it's like going to the cheapest heart surgeon or the cheapest bloody brain surgeon, right, when you need it. Yeah. So, Yeah, so true. Um, where can people get a copy of the book? Right. All, all the usual kind of places, mate. My, you know, the Amazons of the world and the Booktopias of the world and the Barnes and Nobles of the world, all those kind of places. It's uh, it's readily available, Kindles, etc. haven't quite got to the audio book yet. That's on my, on my never-ending to-do list. Yeah, fantastic. And if people want to find a little bit more out about yourself, what's your site? Uh, AndrewGriffiths.com. Very yeah. easy. Perfect. Uh, we'll put that up in the show notes wherever you happen to be watching. It's also going on the screen right now. Uh, for those that are on our social platforms, you can access that straight away. Uh, but as we bring this to a bit of a close here, what's... 
what's one insight from the book that people really just shouldn't miss out on? Like it's that this is why you really need to go and get the book. This this insight will just really help change your thinking to change your business. Um, I, I think I, I think the real insight here is um, is actually in the title. The, 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 the obviousness of the title is that someone does have to be the most expensive, right? There always is someone who's the most expensive. And, and that tagline of why not make it you, you know, it may as well be you. When you really think about that, people normally smile and get a bit of a laugh when they hear the title. And then, then they kind of get it and they go, you know what? Why not? You know, why not? My book is really compelling about the why. You know, it really, but I'm also eyes wide open in terms of this is not an easy path, right? It's easy to be the cheapest, but like most easy thing, it's easy to eat McDonald's seven days a week, right? Is that the best path? You know, a- a- absolutely not, you know? So I think to first of all go that aspiration of I'm really good at what I want to do. I want to be paid accordingly to deliver that so that I can just keep doing it better and better. When people kind of get that and they go, wow, that's the kind of business I want. One that's built on quality, one that's where I'm respected and I'm paid what I'm worth and my business is robust and solid and future-proof and you know all of those things. People really get it then. They really kind of get it. And then the next thing is they're going, how do I do it? And I think that's what I've really tried to include in the book is that real clarity on on why this is so important and then how we need to go about it, this path. So I've got a framework in there to follow on how you actually go about, you know, changing it uh, to become the most expensive at what you do. Yeah, love it. We've been speaking to Andrew Griffiths. The new new book is out. Someone's got to be the most expensive. It might as well be you. Um, as always, insightful. Um, just the the way your your mind works um, is is amazing in terms of of business and business growth and just taking things to a whole different level in terms of the level of thinking that as business owners we need to get to. Because uh, as we say all the time, do you know what? I actually don't give a hoot whether you get referrals or not. It's got nothing to do with that. You went into business because you've got these dreams, these ambitions, these goals, and your business will allow you to have that. So focus then on the bigger things. Focus on the things that Andrew talks about all the time in terms of the story, your brand, your messaging, your positioning, making sure that when you get those things right, hey, being a bit more remarkable means that you can be the most expensive. And then having a business that you actually love, clients that you love, rather than you feeling like you're chained to the desk, complaining every single day of how your business is, because it doesn't have to be that way. So whether it's this particular book, uh, check out andrewgriffiths.com because there's 13 other great books. I've only got about six of them on my shelf at the moment uh, as I look up there, and every single one of them has led to something new coming out for our business. Uh, thank you very much, sir, for jumping on. Really appreciate it. And as always, uh, been really insightful. 
Thanks, mate. Lovely to chat. Always nice to connect, Michael, and uh, and awesome to see all the stuff that you're doing uh, in the world as well. You know, it's nice, nice as we get older, and you know, watching our paths as we're kind of you know navigating our way through this uh, crazy world. It's uh, I love seeing your success, all the stuff that you're doing. So thank you. Nah, pleasure. Thank you. Uh, but don't forget, guys, if you uh, love this particular episode. We don't advertise on our podcast. We don't uh, put ads on here. Uh, the fee is pretty simple. Go share it with somebody. Go share it with a business colleague. Go share it with, with someone who you know would get some great value from listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be on Apple, Android, Spotify, or any of the social platforms that you're currently watching on. Till next time, take care, and we'll see you again real soon. T take care, everyone. Thanks a lot.